solar eclipse. There is not a more universal evil omen than the sun turning black. And a phenomenon that only occurs in terrifying intervals that are both predictable to the learned and illumined mind, the astronomer, the star gazer. And as unknowably mysterious and enigmatically terrifying to the layman, to the commoner, across every eon over the many millennia of recorded history. One event singularly terrifies and holds us in its horrible grasp that of the solar eclipse. There are many legends, many myths about it, many old wives' tales. These have been so influential to shape entire ruling dynasties and to create, help create, literally create the significance of of major world religions. It has dictated the fates of battles and it has heralded the ends of empires. Solar Eclipse is probably the most major of all cosmic astronomical events in recorded human history. They were so important, they required massive human sacrifice in heliocentric societies such as the Aztecs and the Mayans. It is almost universally associated with the end times, our apocalyptic scenarios of all major religions in every part of the world. And we'll be getting into it. We'll be talking about and dispelling some of the myths, as well as speaking about some of the controversies, including the very recent last decade, 2010s, massive conspiracy associated with an annular solar eclipse that occurred over the United States. One of only 15 or so, a handful of so recorded cross-United States uh, solar eclipses since the entire creation of the United States, since the 1700s. There have only been a handful, maybe 15, a dozen, and some change of solar eclipses across the country. 
Now, remember, America was created during the time of Enlightenment, during the time of the early modern and uh, late classical Renaissance periods. So we were already enlightened, astronomical, uh, adventurous, scientifically minded peoples of ration, logic, and pragmatism. So we were not given over to this primitive understanding of the solar eclipse, yet we seem to be connected with it as well. Maybe not on a state level, officiating such doomsday thinking, but on a vox populi level, on a on a, a, ple a plebeian level, the, the, the public is enraptured with these myths to this very day, modernizing them in the astronomical uh, understandings of these, either independently as a research group or in a mass movements that literally are global movements popularized by, by media such as YouTube and their conferences and books, etc. Over the fact that the solar eclipse is more than meets its eye. That it is not simply the moon crossing across the sun. In, in perfectly innocent, beautiful orbital coincidences. But it is actually the sign of a much much more significant cosmic calendar involving a mysterious unknown or undisclosed planet, Planet X, named Nibiru, and ultimately the end of the world. And we see how the new is shared in the old and how the old is evolved into the new. Let's get into the new. And I'll read some articles from some magazines, some online publications, just to kind of prep you guys up. Science Alert. Sciencealert.com. 2017, August, by Sign Dean. No, this year's solar eclipse won't trigger a Nibiru apocalypse. For those of you who don't remember... As of the recording of this episode, that's over six years ago. 2017 had a cross-United States continental solar eclipse. And many people believe that in 2017, the apocalypse was either going to occur during that time, or it was a sign of the apocalypse, and the apocalypse would occur in September of 2017. People, much like in the 2012 end-of-the-world uh, Mayan calendar uh, fever, uh, bought bunkers, they fled to places like Jerusalem, they fled to places like Machu Picchu, they fled to places like uh, Nepal, um, seeking to avoid any great disasters, they bought bunkers, they bought survival supplies, they stocked up on ammunition, they were reading about the politics, they were viewing that the Donald Trump situation... Uh, and the D.C. politics was all implied to be, you know, prophets and antichrists and, 
and returns and signs and, and rumors of war. Um, you know, globally between, you know, battles of Armageddon and stuff like that. 100% it was fever pitch. There were great moments at the time, cashing in on it, writing books, having conferences. Great speakers were coming forward. Uh, lots of religious preachers, lots of Christians, lots of, uh, you know, uh, Judeo-Christians uh, were coming forward specifically because there's a lot of doomsday cultism and a lot of ancient aliens people, a lot of the... Planet X people themselves have their own movement. They have their own movement, like the Flat Earth movement. They have their own movement, like anything else. Um, there's a lot to say about Planet X, and it's not as it's not impossible. And like I said, I, I've I've confirmed it before that it does exist. It's not impossible to 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 believe that Planet X and the Eclipse sometimes do coincide and and agree together and everything, which I'm perfectly okay with authors of thinking, but. As far as I can tell, uh, there are several kinds of eclipses. Sometimes when there's Nibiru, sometimes when it's the moon. There are also several moons in our atmosphere. And the moon is artificial. The one that we were referring to in terms of a reflection, etc. And it's a plasmological phenomenon across the surface of the ozone layer, which acts as a mirrored uh, reflective surface as gas, as a layer of gas. Was separating the internal uh, and acting like the firmament, separating the internal atmosphere that we breathe, the the you know layered, stratified, you know vapor atmosphere that we breathe, the vapor dome, and um, the outside higher atmospheres, which are their thinner and uh, more literally rarefied air. For there's oxygen content even in the deepest elements of space. It's just very very far apart from each other. Right, it's a vacuum. So it's not a vacuum, it's, it's actually just uh, it's the opposite, because a vacuum is a closed-off, sealed environment of, of negative pressure. It's a... Uh, it's a... Uh, it's like the bottom of the ocean. It's just extremely spaced out and spread apart. And like, anything is, is literally just a giant, like, you know, so far away compared to the surface, or anywhere where there's equilibrium where we evolved. Uh, that being said, um... I, I think the entire world of astronomy is suspect. It is completely erroneous in all its discoveries that they've dis that they've disclosed. There is so much more to be learned and to be admitted to that has already been learned and been uh, researched and is being taken advantage of in the secret space programs as artful colonies, etc. They understand how spacesuits, you know, truly designed, how to build these colonies, how space travel works, all of it, because they work on a real set of data. We do not, and so when we speculate as uh, science fiction writers or as thinkers or as researchers into the UFO phenomenon, and we use NASA's officiated astronomical sciences or cosmological data in terms of what the speed of light is, in terms of where the planets are positioned, in terms of their atmospheric consistencies or their temperatures, you know, gravitational fields, etc., number of moons, number of planets themselves, very basic data. Uh, we're using wrong data. We're using fundamentally incorrect data that's just extremely partially revealed. And so uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't put any investment in that at all, right? At all, when it comes to what NASA has to say. But I would I would say that there's there's absolutely evidence for this elliptical planet, this dark sun, nemesis that even in conventional literature. So if you want third parties, if you're listening to this going, you're just making everything up in your, you're just a fantasist, etc. There's no evidence. Look up the evidence. It'll correlate, the, it'll correlate these, uh, these claims. 
but understand that we live in a world of complete cover up and and you know this stuff is beyond top secret tech you know and and I am the beyond top secret Texan and so yeah it's goes hand in hand why I know this stuff and I have researched and done the and done the work if you want me to hold your hand just rest assured that this is real this is absolutely a 100% real maybe not in the case that the conspiracy theorists are saying it cuz they're Cointel pro cuz they're useful idiots because they're fed wrong information but nasa is also useful idiot fed wrong information just as zealot and just as um useful of an idiot because these scientists think that they know because they're working with the wrong data sets so they learned by heart the wrong thing it's like if i give you a bible that's completely incorrect and tell you to read it because that's the true holy bible and then you go out as a zealot and just basically say everyone else is wrong because they read the wrong bible So yeah, no, this year's solar eclipse won't trigger a Nibiru apocalypse. The hype over the Great American Eclipse on 21st of August is certainly reaching fever pitch that we're less than 10 days out. And we hope that you are already prepared. But where there's hype, there's also conspiracy theories, like the one that's been gracing tabloid headlines for months, that this eclipse is the precursor of a collision with an imaginary planet called Nibiru. For the uninitiated, the non-existent Nibiru, sometimes called Planet X, is a planet-sized object supposedly hurtling through space towards an inevitable smash into our own planet. NASA already told the world back in 2012 that Nibiru and other stories about wayward planets are an internet hoax, but here we are again. So what's going on? Astronomy-inspired apocalyptic conspiracy theories hitch their wagon to whatever is happening in astronomy this year, astronomer Michael Brown from Monash University in Australia tells Science Alert. It's the eclipse now. A few years back, it was planetary alignment, and two decades ago, conspiracy theorists were excited by comet Haleybop. Haleybop was discovered in 1995 and quickly became one of the brightest comets observed in the 20th century. Its appearance sparked both apocalyptic and UFO theories and tragically triggered a mass suicide of 39 people in the Heaven's Gate cult. The comet's first appearance actually coincides with the origins of the whole Nibiru thing. The first time the online groups heard about this particular wayward planet was from a woman called Nancy Leader in 1995. Except oh, it's not true. Absolutely not true. They had Vulcan. They had Planet X theories uh, since the 1800s. It was the planet that people lost. This guy is absolutely murdering the story. But yeah. It's understandable that this year's eclipse with path of totality stretching across the United States has caused such a stir in both scientific and pseudoscientific circles. With the technology we have, with the crazy viewership numbers, it's likely to become the most documented solar eclipse humans have ever witnessed. Images and data from potentially as many as millions of people will be collected, collected and analyzed by scientists for years to come. Carrie Black of the U.S. National Science Foundation said last month, Should we be worried about Nibiru? Absolutely not. Should we be worried about media outlets and believers going into a frenzy over Nibiru? Yes. I doubt there's a clean demarcation between harmless nonsense and dangerous conspiracy theories, Science Alert says. Fortunately, many astronomy-related conspiracy theories fall into the harmless nonsense category, but there are occasionally grim exceptions like the Heaven's Gate cult. In case you're wondering, the next so total solar eclipse... 
dates are going to be 2019, 2020, 2021, and then again in 2024. The latter with a path of totality once again touching the United States. Or calling it now, you can expect more Nibiru in the headlines. And that's the end of the article. So it's just kind of a hit piece and then a bunch of bullshit. But then the the fact that it does admit that Nibiru will be in the headlines. Conspiracy theorist Warren Solar Eclipse will signal the coming of Nibiru and the end of our planet. If there's anything you've simply been dying to do or see, you'd best get it done soon. According to the conspiracy theorist David Mead, our planet will cease to exist as we know it in September 2017. Mead's bizarre and unfounded theory claims that immediately after the upcoming total of solar eclipse in August 21st, the mythical planet Nibiru, or Planet X, will appear on the horizon and begin its month-long collision course with Earth, arriving in late September to actually end the world proper. If you're all brushed up on your space conspiracy theories, you probably, at the very least, have heard about Nibiru before. Rumors of the mysterious body whizzing through our solar system with an oblong orbit that coincidentally keeps it hidden from scientists' view have been floating around for years. Wild theories about the non-existent planetary body have in fact become so prevalent that NASA even addressed them in a statement in 2012, calling them a blatant internet hoax. Which, keep that in mind, because I have something very fun to show you. There is no factual basis for these claims. If Nibiru or Planet X were real and headed for an encounter with the Earth in 2012, astronomers would have been tracking it for at least the past decades, and we would be the first to tell you. And it would be visible by now with a naked eye. So obviously it doesn't exist. And yes, we are inclined to believe them. But despite all scientific evidence that says otherwise, Mead is still convinced that Planet X will finally collide with the Earth on September 23, 2017, bringing with it the mother of all apocalyptic cataclysms. Sounds legit, right? Anyway, if Mead's predictions has you feeling worried in any way, shape, or form, just remember that we are supposed to die in August, September, and December of 2016 as well. And yet, we are still here and kicking. This is from the 26th of October, 2017. Nibiru proof. Footage sparks claim that Planet X was spotted during the solar eclipse. Nibiru was visible in the sky and looming menacingly over Earth during the solar eclipse, conspiracy theorists have claimed. A video filmed during the North American eclipse in August was recently posted online, which it claims shows evidence of the mysterious celestial body. Nibiru, also known as Planet X, is a fabled alien world that is apparently hurtling through space straight towards the Earth. For decades, doomsayers have come up with various theories about when the giant planet will either smash into us or make a catastrophic near miss. Most recently, the apocalypse was predicted to occur on October 15th, a date that ended up passing by uh, uneventfully. Believers are adamant the planet definitely exists and claim it was visible to the naked eye on August 21st. The clip, uploaded by Jedediah Bennett, appears to show a mysterious orb-shaped object near the sun just moments before the moon was set to pass in front of it. 
In the video, the lad filming can be heard saying, I can see this really obvious thing to the left here, and if I move the camera around, it is still there. But netizens don't appear convinced. One person commented on the YouTube video, It looks like a lens flare. Next time, put your finger in front of the sun to prove it. According to prominent Nibiru researcher David Mead, he said the apocalypse has already started. Mr. Mead believes the planet X's gravitational pull will whip up to 740 mile per hour tsunamis and earthquakes registering 9.8 on the Richter scale either later this year or in a matter of months. And remember, this is after the the eclipse already happened. Uh, two months after. Okay, so let me say... That's enough to say about why the, the 2017 Doomsday hype, which I believe was a PSYOP. I absolutely do believe it was a PSYOP. But you know how everyone in those articles in 2017... this It's fun to see that even after six years... Six years is a long time, I admit. Six years is a long time. Get over things, move on in life. Day-to-day shit, right? You always look into the future. I, I respect people who look uh, six years into the future, not six years into the past. I admit it. But we forget. And it's very recent history. It's completely documented by all our recent technologies. Nothing exists back then that doesn't exist now. And nothing that that doesn't exist from then we can't receive or, or care about. I mean, what, vines? Like, what, vine? Oh, give a shit. Exactly, like, this was still basically today. But the attitudes were still as hostile, but very, very different. Because they were using the hype from five years before 2017, the 2012 disaster, just to take a huge shit, not only on uh, doomsday theories and prophecies, but all uh, conspiracy theories themselves. This is how bitter that the 2012 Mayan apocalypse uh, false flag psyop left people to conspiracy theories and to the ideas of alternative astronomy or to um, some kind of like calendric system of a cyclical apocalypse, etc. But I have the counter evidence here because it's simply looking up fucking shit online for yourself. It's simply doing, um, you know, uh, Opent, basically. Or opsent. Open source intelligence. Simply looking shit up yourself. So if I type in Planet X NASA, right, do I see categorical denials from 2012 and onward? You know, consistently denying that this thing exists? No, I see actual confirmations. Actual confirmations, and I'm not fucking lying about this, starting from 2000, um, sorry, from actually the 1980s and the research his- historical, like, you know, literature. But I can understand you'd be like, oh, in 1980s they thought, now they have better technology and they know. So let's read the new ones. Caltech researchers have found evidence suggesting that there may be planet X deep in the solar system after all. This is from NASA.gov. Science.nasa.gov. What? I thought NASA categorically called it an internet hoax and that Planet X was absolute bullshit, right? I thought that's what happened. 
I thought I thought that's what all the tabloids were saying and all the newspapers and all the journalists, science.com or whatever the fuck, sciencenews.com, science alert. You know, NASA, NASA said it's fake. Well, Caltech researchers have found mathematical evidence suggesting that the planet X deep in the solar system. This hypothetical Neptune-sized planet orbits our sun in a highly elongated orbit far beyond Pluto. The object, with the researchers have nicknamed Planet 9, could have a mass about 10 times greater than that of Earth, and the orbit that's 20 times farther from the Sun on average than even Neptune. It may take between 10,000 to 20,000 Earth years to make one full orbit around the Sun, meaning its one year is 10,000 to 20,000 of our years. This announcement is not a confirmation of a new planet, but the existence of this distance world is only theoretical at this point. We confirm no direct observation of the object nicknamed Planet 9. The mathematical predictions of a planet could explain the unique orbits of some smaller objects in the Kuiper Belt, though, that we have observed. A distant region of icy debris that extends far beyond the orbit of Neptune. Astronomers are now searching for the predicted planet. Holy shit. I thought NASA categorically denied Nibiru Planet X as an internet hoax. And this study goes back from 2015. So by the time they were writing that article in 2017 trying to stop you from panicking about the possible end of the world or an alternative theory that could result in the astronomical event known as the solar eclipse because they want to proclaim absolute knowledge and thus absolute control over this phenomenon as the high priest of science, NASA, and and not only that, but the, the, the fucking chorus gallery, the peanut gallery of NASA, their choir boys, and the science choir boys who in the tabloid press that call themselves science literature and magazines. They're basically just tabloids. Absolutely fucking tabloids. Because anyone who works for a, a magazine called Science News and proclaims themselves actually a scientist should fucking look up the NASA website and see that in 2015 they published this article. Which does not declare it categorically a hoax but rather says that in mathematical terms, it's fucking possible, and they're just researching evidence. They can't confirm, nor can they fully deny. Because Caltech astronomers Konstantin Batijin and Mike Brown announced new research that provides evidence of a giant planet tracing an unusual elongated orbit in the outer solar system. Are they crazy conspiracy theorists? Are Caltech astronomers Konstantin Batijin and Mike Brown crazy tinfoil cap wearing lunatics that don't understand science maybe they gotta maybe they gotta go back to science class maybe they gotta go back to astronomy 101 and learn the the basic planets that we got or maybe it's because the more you look into this the more you start thinking for yourself and the more it becomes self-evident but the more you listen to other people the more you just monkey and chimp their behavior getting louder and louder to fit in or maybe that's what you're paid to do 
because that's how society is ultimately controlled. By paying as many idiots to print as much written word and to scream as loud on as many platforms to create literally a wall of wrong information, a wall of fake news, a wall of gossip and bullshit and slander and shit-tossing and shit-talking and all that. To hide the realities and the truths from simply curious people. And to make them feel like they could be targets of ridicule or publicly mocked by those they wish to be respected by. What a wonderful world we live in, right? What a wonderful world we live in. Do what we want you to do or get kicked in the balls. We point and laugh and make fun of you while you're on the ground. And no one wants to be your friend. Because you're not stupid like the rest of us. Let's read some more articles on this. Literally page one. Literally page one of this Google search. uh, Planet X and NASA. Planet X may have left our solar system as a rogue planet. This is from October 4th, 2023. Skyandtelescope.org. What? Sky and Telescope, the official website for Sky and Telescope Astronomy, the essential guide to astronomy. That's right. This article by Emily Lakdwala, published on October 23rd, 2023. A new understanding of far-off worlds in the outer solar system suggests that if Planet X ever existed, it was long since left the vicinity. When Sydney was discovered more than a decade ago, its orbit far beyond that of Neptune baffled astronomers. Unlike most such far-out objects, Sydney never came anywhere near Neptune. Its closest approach to the Sun is 76 solar years more than twice Neptune's average distance. Some encounter with larger objects must have placed Sydney on this path, but what? Might there be an undiscovered planet X out there in the cold, dark reaches of our solar system? Based on this and related evidence, astronomers have been searching for this undiscovered planet that many are now believing is real. New work presented by Yukon Huang, University of British Columbia, Canada, at the 55th meeting of the Division of the Planetary Sciences of the American Astronomical Society, suggests that there is such a planet, at least, but maybe not in our solar system anymore. While encounters with an outer, outer planet could have established the orbits of Sedna and two other more recently discovered Sednoids, That larger world must have been ejected from our solar system during a chaotic childhood some 4.5 billion years ago. And the article keeps going on. I would just like to point out just how sophisticated and mature these publications are compared to the science tabloids that are pushed. But that the dates... Betray it. Because anyone who says that Nibiru was fake 
our Planet X is complete bullshit. Hasn't even done a simple fucking Google search to see the actual movement and trends of astronomers themselves. NASA says new evidence exists for a massive Planet X. This is from January 20th, 2016 from CBS News. NASA says new evidence exists for massive planet X at edge of solar system. January 20th, 2016. CBS. One of the four largest news corporations in America. The solar system may have a ninth planet after all. This is from Cape Canaveral, Florida. 5,000 times bigger than Pluto and billions of miles further away. Scientists who presented good evidence for a long hypothesized Planet X on Wednesday were received. The gas giant is thought to be almost as big as nearest planetary neighbor Neptune, quite possibly with rings and moons of its own. It's so distant that it would take a mind-blowing 10,000 to 20,000 years to circle the sun. CBS, right? Fucking hell. Absolutely fucking hell. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where you're like, why why wouldn't anyone just do the digital unless they're trying to make you convinced that there is only mockery and 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 spite and ridicule directed at anyone who considers anything outside of the norm, regardless of what that norm is. Remember, skeptics are the hound dogs of mediocrity and the status quo. Nibiru, the non-existent planet. Linked to the close to the Mayan calendar, a variety of rumors spread regarding the ways the world could end back in 2012. One popular contender was Nibiru, a supposed planet that some claim could collide at the end of our year, but despite the buzz, there was no scientific evidence supporting the alleged planet's existence. And, of course, our planet survived 2012 without absorbing a massive impact. But what if it was real? The story began in 1976 when Zachariah Sitchin wrote The Twelfth Planet, a book which used Sitchin's own unique translation of Sumerian cuneiform to identify a planet, Nibiru, orbiting the sun every 3,000 to 600 years. Several years later, Nancy Leder, a self-described psychic, announced that the aliens she claimed to channel were warned for this planet would collide with Earth in 2003. After a collision-free year, the date was moved back to 2012, where it was linked to the close of the Mayan Long Count period. When Comet Elenin appeared in 2011, many more were concerned that it was the mysterious planet in disguise, despite the fact that planets and comets appear very different under a telescope. A comet has a gas atmosphere called a coma and a tail, while a planet does not. But instead of slamming into Earth, the comet strayed too close to the sun and broke into pieces. The leftover fragments will continue on their path to outer system for the next 12,000 years, still bits of comets and no cohesive planets. In 1984, a scientific paper was published in the Astrophysicist Journal Letters, which discussed several infrared sources with no counterparts that turned up in a survey of the sky. Such surveys were common in astronomy and usually involved follow-ups that individually detailed the more interesting sources. In the follow-up to the 1984 survey, it was claimed that most of the sources turned out to be distant galaxies, not identified as planets, and both papers are still available to the public. 
the greatest evidence to this is the fact that in 3,600 years, if it needed to orbit the sun, would create instabilities inside the 4.5 billion year old solar system, which have been discovered. Its gravity has been traced through the effects of the solenoids. And it goes into solenoids again. The easiest and most verifiable piece of evidence, some say, is it's visible by its naked eye. In 2012, it was witnessed as being seen of uh, viewable. Easily performed calculations included that it was been brighter than the faintest stars viewed from a city. And when it's brightest, almost as bright as Mars is at its dimmest. And that's from space.com, and it keeps going on. New York Times. Evidence for Planet X in Spotlight of New Research. This is from 1993. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. While I don't believe it will cause a doomsday, I do believe that they are related to eclipses. Absolutely. I believe that the type of eclipse it generates is much different than the generate the eclipse that the moon generates, or at least one of the moons that we have generates. Of course, this line of thinking is kind of hard to pursue, at least through official sources. But... I believe that the difference of the Nibiru uh, eclipse is what creates the monumental, historically significant eclipses, which have effects like turning the entire sky blood red, appearing to stop the sun or the orbit of the Earth as we get locked in its uh, gravitational field, um, causing massive flooding, massive... Uh, you know, change of the poles uh, positions, uh, maybe not a complete 180 reversal where north and south switch places, but maybe just a, a wobble or a shift on our axis. Um, you know, maybe even a complete change of our orbital placement. Maybe we get closer or further away from the sun and that drastically affects and rechanges our ecosystem, either creating ice ages or, um, you know, the warm, the warm type dinosaur eras. <coughs> It could uh, douse our planet in radiation, causing either mass extinction events or mass mutation events. And I believe, of course, that the Nibiru is um, eclipse is the most rare kind, only happening every few thousand years, whether it's three thousand six hundred or uh, you know ten thousand years. It's it's still at some kind of great annular cycle which occurs so infrequently as to be completely enigmatic and mysterious to those that survive it or have not experienced it but are occurs still annually enough that they can be figured out and uh 
mastered, like predicted by those who have either the written information or the mathematical data, you know, the hard data to actually do the calculations to figure out when exactly it's, it's coming back or um, at what baseline, you know, to predict you know, these certain events that happen either before or after, you know, plan ahead time or whatever. But they, they survive these apocalypses, given this information, preserve it, make sure it's held for the next time. Um, but they know the difference. They know the difference and they try to cover it up. That's why they don't want you thinking about it. But at the same time, they themselves are actually researching this at a high level. Solar eclipses themselves are not rare, but they're not very common either. They only occur two to five times a year. And I guess you could say that they're uncommon, but at the same time, that's it's so annular. It's so regular. Just like equinoxes, just like any other events of the cosmic cal calendar. Just like full moons. When you actually think about it, there's maybe only 12, 13 full moons a year. But we know they're going to happen. We know when they're going to happen. They're just common um, phases of the moon and astronomical cycles. Five is the high end. Five are, is exceptionally high. There were last five in 1935, for example. The, that was the last year that there were five solar eclipses in 1935. And there will not be five solar eclipses in one year again. It's calculated until 2206 A.D. The average number of total solar eclipses in a century is 66 for Earth as a whole throughout recorded history. Solar eclipses in history have been historically been viewed as omens that bring about death and destruction, but in reality they are harmless, and they even help prove Einstein's theory of relativity. They love Einstein and the scientific propaganda articles, and this is from timeanddate.com. It's a calendar website. It's a website about calendars. The reason why I'm doing this is also listed here. October 14, 2023, the annular solar eclipse. On October 14th, an annular solar eclipse will sweep across the Americas. Annularity, when the sun forms a ring of fire around the moon, is visible along a narrow path that crosses the USA, Mexico, Central America, Colombia, and Brazil. Elsewhere in the Americas, from Alaska to Argentina, a partial eclipse will be visible. Major reality-shifting eclipses in history are predicting emperors' futures. Surviving records have shown that the Babylonians and the ancient Chinese were able to predict solar eclipses as early as 2500 BCE. 
In China, solar eclipses were thought to be associated with the health and success of the emperor, the dragon emperor, and failing to predict one might mean putting him in physical danger. Legend has it that two astrologers, Hisei and Ho, were executed by the court for failing to predict a solar eclipse in their career as court astronomers. Historians and astronomers believe that the eclipse that they failed to forecast occurred on October 22, 2134 BCE, which would make it the oldest solar eclipse ever recorded in human history in writing. Clay tablets found an ancient archaeological site showing that Babylonians not only recorded eclipses, the earliest known Babylonian record is that the eclipse that took place on May 3rd, 1375 BCE, but were also fairly accurate in predicting them, even so long ago. They were the first people to use the Saros cycle to predict eclipses. The Saros cycle relates to a lunar cycle and is about 6,585.3 days, or 18 years, 11 days, and 8 hours long. Like the ancient Chinese, the Babylonians believed the solar eclipse were bad omens for existing kings and rulers. Predicting solar eclipses enabled them to seat substitute kings during solar eclipses with the hope that these temporary kings would face the anger of the gods instead of the real king. Preserving Dynasties Eclipses as Peacemakers According to the Greek historian Herodotus, a solar eclipse in 585 BCE stopped the war between the Lydians and the Medes, who saw the dark skies as a sign to make peace with each other. The Greek astronomer Hipparchus used a solar eclipse to determine that the moon was about 4,209... Or sorry, 429,000 kilometers. Sorry about that. Greek astronomer Hipparchus used a solar eclipse to determine that the moon was 429,000 kilometers or 268,000 miles away from the Earth. This is only about 11% more than what today's scientists accept as the average distance between the moon and the Earth measured with lasers. So pretty accurate. Kepler Close and Haley Closer Although early eclipse pioneers, including the Chinese astronomer Liu Hesong and Greek philosopher Plutarch and Byzantine historian Leo Diakonos, tried to describe and explain solar eclipses and their features, it was not until 1605 that astronomer Johannes Kepler gave a scientific description of a total solar eclipse. More than a century later, Edmund Halley, who the famous Halley's Comet is named after, predicted the timing and path of the total solar eclipse on May 3, 1715. His calculations were only 4 minutes and about 30 kilometers, 18 miles off from the actual timing and path of the eclipse. Halley's Comet causes two annular meteor showers, the Eta Equarides and the Orionids. Some other notable solar eclipses in history include the year 632, Date, January 27, a annular type that was visible in Medina, Saudi Arabia. The eclipse coincided with the death of the Prophet Muhammad's son, Ibrahim. The Prophet reportedly dismissed rumors that this was a miracle, stating that the sun and the moon are signs of God and that they are not eclipsed for the birth or death of any man.
which I agree with. 1,133, August 2nd, total eclipse. King Henry's eclipse, as they call it. King Henry I died shortly after the eclipse, prompting the spread that the superstition amongst the English that eclipses are bad omens for rulers. 1836 A.D., May 15th, annular. English astronomer Francis Bailey first discovered and described Bailey's beads, a phenomenon that occurs in the seconds before and after totality in a total solar eclipse and annularity in a annular solar eclipse. 1851, July 28th, total eclipse. The first photograph of the sun's corona was taken by a Prussian photographer called Bukowski. 2009, July 21st, 2022, total eclipse. Longest total solar eclipse in recorded history. Totality lasted for 6 minutes and 39 seconds. That's just a little bit of solar eclipse trivia. At least when it comes to history, and that's how I kind of view history as trivia. The myths and superstitions surrounding solar eclipses have caused fear, inspired curiosity, and have been associated with myths, legends, and superstitions throughout history. Even today, an eclipse of the sun is considered a bad omen in many cultures. Ancient cultures tried to understand why the sun temporarily vanished the sky, just like we do now in our modern times. They came up with various reasons for what caused the solar eclipse. In many cultures, the legends surrounding solar eclipses involve mythical figures eating or stealing the sun. Others interpreted the event as a sign of angry or quarreling gods. Hungry demons and thieving dogs. In Vietnam, people believed that a solar eclipse was caused by a giant frog devouring the sun. While Norse cultures blamed wolves for eating the sun. In ancient China, a celestial dragon was thought to launch on the sun, causing a solar eclipse. In fact, the Chinese world of eclipse, qi or shi, means to eat. According to the ancient Hindu mythology, the deity Rahu is beheaded by the gods for capturing and drinking Amrita, the god's nectar. Rahu's head flies off into the sky and swallows the sun, causing the first eclipse. Korean folklore offers another ancient explanation for solar eclipses. It suggests that solar eclipses happen because mythical dogs are trying to steal the sun. Traditionally, people in many cultures get together to bang pots and pans and make loud noises during a solar eclipse. It is thought that making a noise scares the demon causing the eclipse away. Native American solar eclipse myths and legends. The Pomo, an indigenous group of people who live in the northwest United States, tell a story of a bear who started to fight with the sun, took a bite out of it, and in fact, Pomo is the name for the solar eclipse as sun got bit by a bear. After taking a bite of the sun and resolving their conflict, the bear, as the story goes, went on to meet the moon and take a bite out of the moon as well, causing a lunar eclipse. The story may have been the way of explaining why a solar eclipse happens around two weeks before or after a lunar eclipse. Angry Sun Myths 
The ancient Greeks believed the solar eclipse was a sign of angry sun gods and that it was the beginning of disaster or destruction. As Apollo was the sun was a god of the sun who drove it with his chariot as well as controlled plagues. The Tiwa tribe from New Mexico and the United States believed that the solar eclipse signaled an angry sun who had left the skies to go to his house in the underworld in a fit. Quarreling sun and moon. According to Inuit folklore, the sun goddess Malina walked away after a fight with the moon god Aningan. A solar eclipse happened when Aningan managed to catch up with his sister. Batamaliba, who lived in Benin and Togo, used a solar eclipse as a teaching moment. According to their legends, an eclipse of the sun meant that the sun and the moon were fighting and that the only way to stop them from hurting each other it was for people on earth to resolve all conflicts with each other. The modern day sun superstitions. Fear of solar eclipses still exists today. Many people around the world still see eclipses as evil omens that bring death, destruction, and disaster. A popular misconception is that solar eclipses can be a danger to pregnant women and their unborn children. In many cultures, young children and pregnant women are asked to stay indoors during a solar eclipse. In many parts of India, people fast during a solar eclipse due to the belief that any food cooked while an eclipse happens will be poisonous and unpure. Not all the superstitions surrounding solar eclipses are about doom. In Italy, for example, it is believed that flowers planted during a solar eclipse are brighter and more colorful than flowers planted at any other time of the year. Scientists and astronomers also have rumors and myths themselves. There is no scientific evidence that solar eclipse can affect human behavior, health, or the environment. Even their emphasis of wearing sunglasses are protective eyewear. There is no evidence suggesting that a solar eclipse can actually damage the human eye any more than looking directly into the sun can. The strangest, scariest eclipse myths throughout history. People figured nothing good can come from eclipses. They came up with very creative ways to end them. We know the eclipses are not caused by bears biting the sun. Dragons swallowing it are an X-rated get-together between heavenly bodies. And yet, as our ancestors have for millennia, we freak the heck out every time a solar eclipse occurs. It's a gentler, more festive kind of frenzy now. No panic, no human sacrifice, no flaming arrows. But the fact that we know more about cosmic mechanics nowadays doesn't make us any less excited. The hair on the back of your neck is up. You've got goosebumps. It's just absolutely beautiful and at the same time a little terrifying because there's nothing you can do about this. There's no power on Earth that can stop this. That's how former NASA astrophysicist Fred Espinek, an authority on calculating the paths of eclipses, describes the visceral feeling of the total solar eclipse. I guess he's an American Chaldean. If an astronomer in 2017 finds the experience overwhelming, imagine what a guy herding goats 3,000 years ago thought when the sun suddenly went dark in the middle of the day. Dragons, dogs, and demons, what people thought caused eclipses. A dragon did it, according to stories in China, India, Armenia, Tibet, Persia, and other parts of the world. 
Traditional tales from other cultures blamed a demon, a jaguar, a frog, a toad, a wolf, a group of snakes, a werewolf. The indigenous Pomo of Northern California envisioned a great cranky bear ambling up the heavens and biting the sun when it refused to move out of the way. According to an elaborate tale in the ancient Sanskrit poem Mahabharata, a demon stole an immortality potion and tried to drink it, but the sun and moon reportedly reported him to the god Vishnu. Vishnu lopped off the demon's head before the liquid passed his throat, so his immortal head travels around the heavens, chasing the sun and moon for revenge forever. Occasionally, it catches one on the, on the other and eats it momentarily. The orb falls out of his open throat in a never-ending game of cat and mouse. The Tartars of western Siberia said that a vampire tried to swallow the sun and spits it out when it burns his tongue. Same for the fire dogs of Bolivian and Korean tradition, which were sent by evil sorcerers' kings to steal the sun, but couldn't hold it in their mouths for very long. From King Lear, King Arthur, and Stephen King, centuries of astronomers, poets, philosophers, and authors have used eclipses in their works. Shakespeare mentions them as bad omens, and King Lear and Antony Cleopatra, John Milton, who compared the fall of Satan to a solar eclipse in Paradise Lost, could have experienced one in person over England in 1654, 13 years after the publication of an epic poem. Mark Twain used an eclipse as a pivotal plot point in a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court, when the time-traveling Yankee saves himself from execution by making a medieval court believe he can darken the sun. The story was based on real-life Christopher Columbus, who escaped a jam in Jamaica, as it's reported in 1505, by using a similar ploy with a lunar eclipse. Horror writer Stephen King connected two of his novels, Gerald's Game and Dolores' Claiborne, through the solar eclipse that was visible over Maine on July 20th, 1963, to include in his larger Metaverse, or Dark Tower, universe. Some stories were another kind of hot. According to oral traditions of several Tlingit and Austra Australian Australasian Aboriginal cultures, the or Australasian, as it the sun and moon were a man and woman in love, and eclipses darkened the world when they got together so they could have a little privacy. Certain native Australians correctly assumed that something covered the sun, but they thought it was a possum fur, a huge black bird, or a sorcerer's cloak rather than the moon. Suriname's Kalina tribe believed the sun and moon were brothers, and an eclipse meant their sibling rivalry had gotten violent and one was knocked out. In a Transylvanian folktale, the sun turns away from humankind's horrible behavior during an eclipse and a toxic dew falls. Dew does appear during some eclipses because of a temperature drop, but it is not poisonous, as most people believe. Even in the 19th century, some people believe that you shouldn't breathe the outdoor air during an eclipse. Laundry left out to dry was considered contaminated and thrown away. Native Alaskans interpreted an eclipse to mean the sun was sick, and so they turned over their pots and cooking utensils to avoid the sun's illnesses. Other explanation was less ominous but not exactly comforting. The Bellacoola tribe of Canada figured that the sun was merely a little clumsy and occasionally dropped its torch. A few moon-worshipping cultures, such as the Chimu of northern Peru, celebrated solar eclipses as lunar victories. But the takeaway from most other mythologies, legends, and stories was the solar eclipse was bad or even terrible. 
Throughout the recorded history, eclipses were blamed for tragedies, wars, disease, outbreaks, and the deaths of prominent people. Piece by piece, the fire of the sun was eaten until it was replaced by a ring of fire. There is no way to see it and not foretell the total destruction of the world. That was written by a witness to an eclipse in Mexico City in 1508. A century ago, some Navajo believed that the eclipse of over 1918 over the South American Southwest was an omen that foreshadowed the Spanish flu pandemic that hit the world. Tens of millions died in the following months, including 2,000 Navajos. And now we're no longer superstitious about eclipses in the same way, except we are. We believe eclipses always have something to do with the end of the world. Some people close their curtains or refuse to go outside just in case. A quick internet search will turn up warnings about eclipse rays that can harm children and unborn babies. And some people believe that you shouldn't eat or drink during a solar eclipse. Of course, another quick search will give you a trove of eclipse-themed appetizers and cocktail recipes, so who knows what the people really think. Lower the page, sorry about that. Second, there you go. Sacrifices, drums, flaming arrows, what people did about eclipses. Lore from many cultures describes eclipses as something eaten in the sun, such as clockwise. Oh, that's a picture there. Because they figured that nothing good was coming from eclipses, people often came with the creative ways to end them. The Chippewa of North America shot flaming arrows into the sky to rekindle the sun. Ancient Mayans ate a certain type of snake in a ritualistic feast. Hindus immersed themselves in water, particularly the Ganges River, which is considered to be purifying. To encourage the sun to fight off the dragon, some modern Hindus still take a traditional dip in sacred waters during eclipses. Ancient Chinese banged drums in pots and made as big as a racket as possible to scare the dragon away. Chinese astronomers kept meticulous records of eclipses in parts because they were considered to be a kind of cosmic referendum on the emperor, and not in a good way. Fearing that the eclipses meant they might die, emperors would stay out of the palace, eat only vegetarian meals before and after, and perform rituals to restore the sun in private. Legend has it that at least two palace astronomers were beheaded for being drunk on the job and, depending on the story, either failing to predict an eclipse or failing to show up when one appeared to assure the emperor. Bones, Einstein, and Helium In the modern world, eclipses have played a part in many scientific advancements. The Chinese oracle bones, which were really tortoise shells, help scientists calculate the showing of the Earth's rotation. Based on carved inscriptions about an eclipse in 1302 BC, astronomers at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in 1989 calculated that a day in 1302 BC was 47 thousandths of a second shorter than it is now. In 1868, English astronomer Norman Lockyer identified a yellow spectral line in the corona of a total eclipse as the signature of a chemical element, which he named helium. Helium wasn't discovered on Earth until 1895. 30 years later, in 1919, astronomer Frank Watson Dyson confirmed Albert Einstein's general theory of relativity using calculations based on bending light during an eclipse. 
Solar eclipses were extremely serious business to the sun-worshipping Aztecs, who had a grisly way of preventing them, said Susan Milbrath, Emeritus Curator of Latin American Art and Archaeology at the Florida Museum of Natural History. The Aztecs believed that a certain date of the calendar year, the four Olin to be specific, a solar eclipse accompanied by an earthquake would cause the end of the world. When the date rolled around every 260 days, priests performed a ritual human sacrifice to feed and strengthen the sun and ward off the eclipse. Conveniently, a solar eclipse could not occur on Fort Olin until at least the 21st century, something the priests, who were also astronomers, probably knew. The 1715 eclipse foreshadows misery, great death of cattle, and mortalities of old people. A British mathematician, Charles Ledbetter, in his A Treatise of the Eclipse on the Sun and Moon, written 1715 to 1749. They knew this event was not going to happen in their lifetime or in the foreseeable future, she said, but the general populace didn't. That is not to say the Aztecs were calm and cool about eclipses, but they occurred in other days. A Spanish friar in the 16th century described a terror-stricken frenzy of sacrificing captives in mass and men of fair hair and white faces to the sun during a solar eclipse, fearing that it would never return and the people-eating demons would be unleashed upon earth. The Aztecs weren't the only ones to react to eclipses with bloodshed, but the 3rd century BC Greek astronomer could accurately predict an eclipse to within 30 minutes, but the celestial weirdness still spooked them out. Like the Chinese, they thought eclipses were dangerous to a person on the throne. In the days before an eclipse was due, commoners or prisoners were chosen to stand in for monarchs, with all the perks of royalty, in the hopes of tricking the eclipse so that no bad luck would befall the real king. After the eclipse, the substitutes were usually executed. This appears to have happened during Alexander the Great's reign, when three partial eclipses were expected in 323 BC. But the eclipses apparently weren't fooled by the fake Alexander, and the real one became ill and died soon afterward. These days, we don't generally try to stop, prevent, or fool eclipses. We just try to catch them. The first eclipse chaser may have been Monsieur Le Chevalier de Louville in the Royal Academy of Sciences in Paris, or Paris, who trekked to London in 1715 to see the eclipse that his friend Edmund Haley had predicted. Haley built on the work that Isaac Newton had published a few years before and for the first time factored gravity in its predictions of solar eclipses. Haley is better known today for predicting what a certain comet would come around again. Trying to explain what seeing a total eclipse is like is like trying to explain what sex is to a virgin. You won't understand it until you see it, astrophysicist Fred Espinek said in 2017. The bravest eclipse chaser may have been Navy photographer Alvin Peterson, who spent two hours on top of a flying dirigible with his movie camera to film the eclipse over New York on January 24, 1925. According to John Durvarak, who tells Peterson's story in Mask of the Sun, Peterson got several reels of video and severe frostbite for his efforts. But perhaps the most impressive and literal example of eclipse chasing occurred on June 30, 1973. Scientists who charted a supersonic Concorde traveling at 1,250 miles per hour over Africa managed to stay in the path of totality for 74 minutes at least 10 times longer than anyone could ever see a total solar eclipse from the ground. Why do people like me go to these extremes to see an eclipse, asked cartographer and eclipse chaser Michael Zeller, 
who has created a robust website around the 2017 event? The reason is quite simple, because it's the most beautiful sight you can see in nature. It's deeply emotional, because you feel the ominous shadow of the moon racing across you. It's a sensory experience. But then the other part of it, too, is that you have the realization that you're looking at the solar system in motion. It's a rare opportunity to really viscerally experience that. The quest for that experience will spur millions of people to flood parks, roads, trails, and towns along the path of totality this week. Many traveling for hours or days and paying jacked up hotel rates to put cardboard glasses on their face and spend a couple of minutes staring at the sky. Clearly, eclipses still make humanity go a little crazy. This next piece, this next article is from the Farmer's Almanac. That's right, you may have heard of that conspiracy magazine, that little, little obscure, you know, uh, zine, that little obscure zine that only reaches the, the rarest and most uh, marginalized peoples, the subcultures. The Farmer's Almanac. That's right, published since God knows when, the 18-whatevers, back in the day. And it's clearly some ancient fucking farm cults secrets because it can predict the weather without computers accurately since its inception based on a secret math formula that's held secret to a family. Literally a family knows this. And they run to this publication that you can buy in literally any dollar store called the uh, Farmer's Almanac. And from that purchase, know exactly when it's going to rain, how hot it's going to be, how cold it's going to be. Every single year, when to plant your crops, etc., all of that. So, from that, from that Green Man um, Mesoamerican corn cult that that publishes Farmer's Mar uh, Almanac, that Wicker Man level shit. So yeah, we got Midsommar um, publishing the Farmer's Almanac. But yeah, solar eclipses, folklore, myths, and superstition. Solar eclipse, legends, and lore. What legends and lore surround the solar eclipse? Here are the old farmer's almanac. We love our folklore and mythology, but there's nothing like a total solar eclipse to get folks wondering why things happen. For the sun to suddenly start disappearing demands explanations, or let's say imaginations. People around the world have come up with many interesting stories, legends, and superstitions. While the stunning spectacle of the April 2024 solar eclipse coming up, we thought we'd look at the legend and more eclipses through the ages. Eclipses in storytelling. In a Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's court by Mark Twain, his hero, who is transported back to Camelot, gets captured but avoids being hanged with a wave of his hand, seemingly making the sun go dark. Of course, our hero remembered the date of a historic and conveniently timed eclipse for the sun. And fortunately, the medieval people thought he had the magical ability to blot out the sun like a wizard. Our hero is then proclaimed the boss by the king and sets out to modernize Camelot with knowledge of the future. A solar eclipse and fear. For many people in ancient times, a solar eclipse generated fear. They thought the world would end and a great evil would follow. Myths often involved a beast trying to destroy the sun with the fate of Earth hanging in the balance, or a sun god becoming angry, sad, or sick. 
Native people in Colombia shouted to the heavens, promising to work harder and mend their ways. Some worked their gardens, and others project uh, projects especially hard during the eclipse to prove it, as if though God was watching. In Norse culture, the gods put an evil enchanter, Loki, into chains. Loki, either played by a statue or an actor, got revenge by creating wolf-like giants, also either played by statues or actors, one of which swallowed the sun, thereby causing the eclipse. Another of the giant wolves chased the moon, trying to eat it. Fair led Chippewa people to shooting flaming arrows into the sun to try to rekindle the sun. Tribes in Peru did the same for a different reason. They hoped to scare off the beast that was attacking the sun. In India, the demon spirit Rahu steals and consumes the nectar of immortality, but is beheaded before he can swallow it. His immortal head flies into the heavens. The sun and moon had alerted the gods to his theft, so he takes revenge on them. When Rahu swallows an orb, we have an eclipse, but the orb returns to view because Rahu has no body. Similarly, in China, Mongolia, and Siberia, beheaded mythological characters chase and consume the sun and moon, and we experience eclipses. In Indonesia and Polynesia, Rahu consumes the sun but burns his tongue, doing so, and spits it out. In Armenia, a dragon swallowed the sun and moon. In Transylvania folklore, an eclipse stems from the angry sun turning its face away and covering herself with darkness in response to men's bad behavior. In India, many believe that when an eclipse occurs, a dragon is trying to seize the two orbs in its jaws. People immerse themselves in rivers up to their necks, imploring the sun and moon to defend them against the dragons. A Solar Eclipse and Romance Some cultures thought the sun was a fight for its lover, the moon. Others found a different kind of romantic explanation. To the Australian Aborigines, the sun was seen as a woman who carries a torch. The moon, by contrast, was regarded as a male. Because of the associations of lunar cycles, the female menstrual cycle, the moon was linked with fertility. A solar eclipse was interpreted as the moon man uniting with the sun woman. In German mythology, the hot female sun and cold male moon were married. The sun ruled the day, and the sleepy moon ruled the night. Seeking companionship, the moon was drawn to his bride, and they came together, thus a solar eclipse. Some Native Americans drew in a similar concept, that a solar eclipse was a visit of companions. West Africans of Benin switched the gender roles of the sun and moon and suggested that the orbs were very busy. When they do get together, they turn off the lights for privacy. In Tahitian myths, the orbs are lovers who join up, providing an eclipse, but get lost in the moment and create stars to light their return to normalcy. With weather, the solar eclipse is associated with fogs or dews and other precipitation resulting from eclipses being considered poisonous or dangerous. The Japanese thought that poison would drop from the sky and covered all of their rain wells. In Transylvania, they believed that eclipses would cause plague and stayed indoors. Alaskan natives believed that the moisture and dew could cause sickness. Dishes were turned upside down and utensils were washed afterwards. Solar eclipses and human behavior are connected and as recently as 2010, during a near-annular, very large partial eclipse, out of fear, people stayed home, 
few were in the streets, and restaurants and hotels officially saw a recorded dip in business, as many customers preferred not to eat out at restaurants on days of solar eclipses. Some schools closed because of a lack of students showing up. In Cambodia in 1995, instead of screaming and banging during a solar eclipse, soldiers shot into the air to scare the mythic dragon from the sky. It was reported the only scattered casualties were from the bullets raining down. In Baja, California in 1991, astronomers were surprised by the weeping and wailing of a hotel staff who were terrified by the onset of darkness. There are many examples of terrified and emotional peoples in the modern world, but the human response that stands out most is related to pregnancy. Many ancient peoples worried that an eclipse caused pregnancy issues such as blindness, cleft lips, or birthmarks in their children. Even today, there are some beliefs and superstitions. Pregnant women are sometimes warned to stay inside, not to eat, not to carry sharp objects, and not to eat cooked food from prior to the eclipse, particularly in Muslim societies. Modern baby blogs ask if pregnant women should wear some sort of metal, such as a safety pin, to protect the baby. Some say that the baby superstitions date from the Aztecs, who believed that the celestial beast was biting the sun, and the same thing would happen to the baby if the pregnant mother watched. Of course, none of this is officially true, with health officials vehemently denying it and proving it wrong. The only health warning is do not look at the sun directly as it will maybe damage your retinas. Inversely, the eclipse is a good luck charm. Eclipses do not incite fear in at least one group. That is Bohemia. They believe that the event portended good luck in finding gold in their minds. Some North American Indian tribes believe that an eclipse was simply nature's way of checking in with the sky, perhaps a sort of cleaning house. The sun and the moon temporarily leave their places in the sky to see if things are going all right on our planet Earth. The Strange Science of Eclipses Long before the invention of the eclipse, people across the world recorded the motions, positions, and appearances of the sun. Some, like the Aztecs and the Babylonians, were obsessive enough to make astoundingly accurate observations that ultimately gave their priests the power of prediction and thus power over society. The Babylonians, in the 7th to 6th century BCE, noticed that an eclipse with all the same specific traits will exactly repeat after 18 years plus 10 to 11 or one-third days. The observation was amazingly perspicuous especially since that the one-third day business ensured the next eclipse would be best seen or maybe only seen in an entirely different region of the world. Babylonians call this period a Saros. The Saros, one-third day, fraction means Earth turns through 120 degrees of longitude for each subsequent event. For the same time of eclipse to again appear in the observer's region, one has to wait while eclipses work their way around the world like a set of gears, which requires three Saroses. Then those one-third day fractions add up to a full Earth rotation, bringing the spectacle back to the original location, albeit with a slight shift in position. This time period of three Saroses, an important observational interval with the curious name of Exiligimos, 
amounts to 54 years plus 33 days. As this surpassed the usual lifespan of Babylonians, it was amazing they noticed the cycle at all. Like I said, it's long enough that the layman is remains mis, uh, you know ignorant to it. It's a mystery. It's inter- it's enigmatic. They don't have any life experience with it, so they thus have to learn it from someone else. But it's short enough, whatever period and interval it is, that a select body of educated and disciplined uh, priests or teachers or scholars or whatever, scientists, can track it accurately and uh, use historical records if they you know exist as an organization or a foundation or a group or whatever um, over the centuries to better accurate, you know, accurately predict that these things occur, thus getting better and better over time. Empires, uh, kingdoms, dynasties, etc. They're lasting for multiple lifetimes. So, you know, they have the funding and they have the ability to exist for hundreds of years. Like the Chinese imperial courts, for example. Perfect breeding ground for uh, astronomers that would understand and know eclipses, you know, down to the nth degree. The Greeks... The ancient Greeks loved that the Seros concept so much, they embraced it without even changing it to their own language. In this account from the Greek historian Herodotus, it is also known to the common people were quite fearful of total solar eclipses. In the 5th century BCE, Herodotus reported that an army's ear when the moon temporarily covered the face of the sun. Oh, sorry, army's fear when the moon temporarily covered the face of the sun. Just as the battle was growing warm, days all of a sudden changed into night. This event had been foretold by Talis, the Milesian, who forewarned the Ionians of it, fi- fixing for it the very year in which it actually took place. The Medes and Ladians, when they observed the exchange, ceased fighting and were like anxious to have terms of peace agreed upon, believing that the gods willed it. Solar Eclipse, what really happens? Total solar eclipses are a cosmic coincidence indeed. How else do you explain that the moon is 400 times smaller than the sun, but also 400 times nearer to us? This makes the only two disks in our sky appear the same size. It would not be the case if either were larger, smaller, nearer, or further away. In fact, over time, our moon will travel further from the Earth and we won't experience the same phenomenon. Of course, now we do understand the science of eclipses. We no longer tell stories to explain the moon or the sun went dark to our children. Still, there's a certain magic to these stories to learn, isn't there? We should never forget them. And perhaps the romance comes from knowing that all is well with the sun and moon, regardless of what you think. And to debunk those negative myths, we'll debunk the top five negative myths. Because I don't want people walking around in fear, and I don't believe in fear porn. I don't believe in in hyping up any of these negative mythologies coming from the Dark Ages. So yeah, the sun's rays are more dangerous. That's a myth. Dr. Kelly Corrick, NASA's program manager for solar eclipses, told Nextar that a recurring theme has to do with sunlight. One common one that comes to mind is that somehow the sun's light and rays that come from the sun are dangerous, are different during an eclipse, and they're just not, Kirk said. There's no extra precautions you need besides the normal sunscreen or sunglasses that you put on on a sunny day. Kirk added the only extra precautions you need is protecting your eyes while looking at the eclipse. 
It's actually a really unique time to be outside, to watch the animals react and to watch the different shadows and how the light changes around you. It's special. 2. Radiation Blindness This myth is tied to electromagnetic radiation as seeing a light and sometimes accompanied by green hue that emits from the sun's atmosphere during a solar eclipse is possible. The radiation which has drawn scientific study for centuries is a million times fainter than the light of the sun, according to NASA. There is nothing in the coronial light that could cross 150 million kilometers of space, penetrate our dense atmosphere, and cause blindness. So don't worry, and NASA writes, adding to the retinal damage possibility, just as staring directly at the sun before it was completely obscured. 3. Pregnancy Complications the misconceptions grew around another form of radiation that travels to Earth from the sun, neutrinos. Born from the nuclear fusion that lights the sun, shoots into space, and passes through the moon and the Earth. Every second, your body is pelted by trillions of these neutrinos, no matter if the sun is above or below the horizon, according to NASA. The only consequence is that every few minutes, a few atoms in your body are transmuted into a different isotope by absorbing a neutrino. The neutrinos won't hurt us, or any unborn children, as they zip through the atmosphere. However, the superposition, a superstition persists. Texas Public Radio spoke with the manager of a Papa Jim's Botanica in South San Antonio, Yuli Garcia, who said that there are several rituals and superstitions in Mexican culture around pregnancy and solar eclipses. They say pregnant women should wear a safety pin on their bellies, Garcia said. For babies, when they're newborns, they say that you could put a pair of scissors opened in the form of a cross under the bed or under the crib, and it's basically protection. For the safety pin on the belly, when a pregnancy is taking place, this is going to prevent for when the baby's born to be born with blue eyes. That's what they say. End quote. Four, a peanuts mix-up. The beloved Peanuts comic strip had an unfortunate hand in disseminating a falsehood about eclipses in 1963. Charles Schultz, the cartoonist who introduced the notion of Charlie Brown, Snoopy, Lucy, and the rest of the gang, published a strip in which the character Linus says, There is no safe method for looking directly at an eclipse. It is especially dangerous when it is a total eclipse. In fact, it is possible to look at the sun without eye protection when it is completely blocked by the moon. However, it is never safe to look at the sun during any time. Space columnist and night sky expert Joe Rayo said that he deeply laments that the eclipse myth was spread by Schultz. So much so that he helped Schultz write a children's book to help dispel it. And fifth on the debunked myths surrounding the solar eclipse, the eclipse will poison your food. Along with others, fear focused on solar rays during the eclipse, NASA notes that other falsehoods claim that radiation will harm your food. The basic idea is that a total solar eclipse are terrifying and their ghostly green corona look frightening, so it's natural to want to make up fearful stories about them and look for coincidences, even events around you, NASA writes. A myth centered around tainted food could of course spread if it was happened to be an incident of food poisoning on the day of the eclipse despite others at the same time not being sick, NASA notes. But this has much to do with food being left outside in the heat, during picnics, than anything else. And that's from our official NASA science priests. 
And keep in mind that in the future, during the 21st century, because you may be listening to this in the 22nd century, you may be listening to this in the 23rd century, you may be listening to this in the 24th century, right? But in the 21st century, when I'm recording this, in the 21st century, there will be 224 solar eclipses, of which 77 will be partial, 73 will be annular, and 68 will be total, and 7 will be hybrids. Of course, two annular and one total eclipse will be non-central in the sense that the very central axis of the moon's shadow will miss the Earth. For more information, in the 21st century, the greatest number of eclipses in the year is four. In 2011, there will be four. In 2029, there will be four. In 2047, there will be four. In 2065, there will be four. In 2076, there will be four. And 2094, there will be four. The predictions given here are by Fred Espanaca of NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. The longest has already occurred on July 22nd of 2009. It was 6 minutes and 38, 86 seconds long. The longest possible duration of any solar eclipse ever recorded was 7 minutes and 32 seconds long. So it was close, but it was the longest one in the 21st century and it's already occurred. Annular, that was a total solar eclipse. Annular solar eclipses are longer on average and the longest one on uh, to be predicted in the 21st century also has occurred as well. That occurred on January 15, 2010. The duration was 11 minutes and 7.8 seconds long. The maximum annual eclipse or annular eclipse ever recorded was 12 minutes and 20 sec- not 29 seconds long. So it was close. It was only one minute short than the longest ever recorded in history. The hybrid eclipses will happen within two years of each other. It'll happen on November 25th, 2049 and May 20th, 2050. So the future's so bright, we gotta wear shades. And here's to those who wish to create their own mythologies based on the songs in their heart, for those who want to keep their traditions and mythologies and legends of their people, of their cultures alive and thriving, both in spirit and in practice, in defiance of the monolithic, invasive virus that is worldwide progress, that is scientific dictatorship, across the world in all of the tribes based on the West's understanding of what's real and what's acceptable against the astronomical hegemony of Babylonian Chaldeans that have risen up, the Phoenicians, the heliocentric maritime empire, as Archaics likes to call it, the sun worshippers of the Western and Eastern worlds, who are as 
obsessed now as they ever have been in their thousands of years of existence with eclipses and matters of eclipses. I celebrate that. I also celebrate the scientists, the people of astronomical and, um, you know, both astronomical and astrological, but astronomical and, and uh, you know, uh, adventurousness and intelligence to understand the realities of Nibiru and Planet X, as well as other heavenly bodies, planets, moons, major systems that they are hiding from us, that they are keeping secret from us, that are not readily invisible. Unless you have extraordinary equipment, which is usually kept from the public, and who have refused to submit to the psychological warfare directed against them, that refuse to lay down and quit, that have pursued this research so successfully, parallel to the mainstream NASA, Caltech, scientific, MIT, you know, astronomical research, telescopic institutions, Catholic Church, whatever you have, uh, and their research as well, realizing that they are looking for something that's there to look for, and that all of this connects, and that people have never been stupid, and that people everywhere have tried their best to honestly progress mankind Yes, including those that did their best trying to record, predict, and explain this astronomical cosmic enigma that ignites the human soul. It enlightens the human soul as it darkens. The sun in heaven. Thank you very much for listening to another broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan, broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast of most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. Thank you all very much for those who have chosen to support financially through donations through Cash App or by becoming a member through the Spotify for Podcasters. Spotify directly allows you to become a member to get access to 100 exclusive episodes. The earliest interviews of the Beyond Top Secret Texan are there symbolically, but you can have access to the 400 free episodes either through my website, podpage.com slash beyondtopsecrettexan, or through any app you would like that provides podcasts for you, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, etc., 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 um, check out the archives, check out the old episodes. Uh, all I do is encourage you to listen and listen, um, through the whole episode and everything helps my, my pressure rating helps out everything, um, immensely comments, leave reviews free for you to do five minutes for you to do. If you want the free options for supporting, which I also thank you support, reshare, post on Twitter, post on your social media groups, post on Facebook, post on Rumble, whatever, YouTube, record this, post it online, mirror this, post it, whatever, uh, help get the word out, help spread the news, spread it to your friends, spread it to people who you might think uh, would love this, help spread it to people you might think might hate this, 
right? Let's get them involved. Let's get them listening. Uh, I need the views. I need, I need the traction. Every view helps me. So help me help you. Um, basically tell me what you think. Tell me what you want to see in the future episodes in the comments and everything. Uh, reach out to me. Got a description box. Got all the information that you need. Follow me. Link tree slash beyond top secret text and all that good shit. Thank you very much. God bless you and your families. Peace out.